Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I'm your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and this week you are in for a treat. But before that, I have to give you a content warning. If you are a person who blushes at strong language, this is not the show for you. (laughs) Um, And I have one other important announcement before we dive in. After the main interview is over, I have a little treat in store, so don't miss out on the end of the podcast, okay? Okay. Now, I am pleased to be welcoming a slang lexicographer to the program. He is a contributor to the blog Strong Language, the creator of Green's Dictionary of Slang, and the truly mind-blowing website Timelines of Slang. Please welcome to the show cunning linguist Jonathan Green. I can't imagine that's the first time you've been called a cunning linguist. No, no, I've been called a lot of things, but then I do theoretically have the ability to come back with something equally appealing. It's true. I, I probably don't want to play that game with you. You will win. Well, I mean, I've, I've, what always makes me laugh is when, when I get rung up by the BBC or somebody and it's, such and such politician has said fuck on television. Well, you know, what do you think? Oh, by the way, Mr. Green, please do not use the word on t- <laughs> Actually, I really do find that infantilizing the audience, and I, I've given up actually doing that. And there's certainly no such rule on my podcast. As I mentioned to you before we started recording, this podcast originally was named Fucking Well Feminist, so you are very welcome to swear on my podcast, otherwise this conversation will be awkward. I am very much open to suggestion. As you know, but as our listeners don't, have asked you here to talk about sort of the sexual politics of our vulgarities. But before that, we like to play a little lightning round of superlatives. The website that produces this show is called The Establishment, so we do EST, est words. So what has made you the happiest this week? Happiest this week is when the man who'd vanished, who was programming my um, online site, came back after a six-month wander. Oh. Um, I was very, very happy. And I had before that, I was very, very unhappy. <laughs> I imagine. What's the best sex advice you ever received? Best sex advice? Um, I, I was going to say quantity over quality. Of course, that would not be great. <laughs> what news made you the maddest or saddest this week? Maddest or saddest, when I come across stuff that um, I cannot find sources for in the dictionary, and I have to admit that an other dictionary, brackets, the Oxford English Dictionary, has got there before me. That is a daily event, unfortunately, but I'm fighting them. I'm fighting them. (laughs) You're going to hold them off. Um, And finally, what's the funniest sex slang that you've come across lately? Well, I think my favorite is one that I came came out of the 17th century, um, which is this great word, clattered of vengeance. 
Clatter the vengeance. What does it mean? Well, if you know about slang and you know the way slang works, you'll know it's going to be the penis because it's got that toy for a boy. It makes a noise, vengeance. It's, it's aggressive. It's in your face, as it were. It's all those things, and I just love it. Unfortunately, I don't think it lasted very long, but clatter the vengeance. Think about clatter the vengeance. It's, it's a lot of fun to say also, which I think is probably a good quality in a vulgarity. Yes, I think, I mean, there is a theory. I, I'm not sure, and I would have to turn to my friend Jesse Scheidelauer, who wrote a wonderful book called The F Word, which is exactly what you think it is, that one of the reasons that fuck has lasted is because it, it works, and it's that slap of flesh on flesh in the way that the words that were around when fuck began, like swive and jape and sard, have, of course, not lasted. Well, Jape exists in, I, I guess, Billy Bunter school stories, um, which are sort of prototype Harry Potter, have not crossed the herring pond. I think George R. R. Martin uses Jape in A Song of Ice and Fire. But in those days, those days being about 1598, um, it, it could mean to have sex, as could this word sard. And swive, you do get. People who write historical fiction like swive, and it comes in a lot. But the fact is that the good old F word, the F bomb, as people call it, although that makes me wince, is is the winner. I did want to actually talk about fuck a lot. I, I love saying fuck, and yet I always feel a little twinge because I feel like the way that fuck is used syntactically suggests a lot about our negative views about gender and sexuality, which is to say specifically that if somebody gets fucked over, that's a bad thing. If you fuck someone up, you have dominated or violated them. It's very gendered, right? Because we imagine that the person receiving the fuck is tend to be gendered female and the person who's doing the fucking is male, which, of course, is a whole other set of assumptions. But you see it other places, right? Of course, you see the same thing in sort of suck a dick. But I wonder if you have thoughts about the way that we use these words and how much it conveys about our thoughts about sex as a culture. I think slang we have to accept is, well, has been, because I want to go on to something else, but it has been very much a man-made language. Um, a woman feminist writer, Dale Spender, wrote a book, I think, in about 1980, and it's called Man-Made Language. It's not particularly about slang, but that is her inference, and there have been a lot of academic papers about it, and I find it very, very interesting. But it's very, if you look at slang's major taxonomy, and fucking is one of them, but it's, it is, I mean, let's say, in a shorthand, is sex and drugs and rock and roll, and crime, and mad people. And the point of view is a male point of view. I mean, if women come up in slang, they are objects, not subjects. Yes. That's perhaps the simplest way. And if women come up in a positive way, it's because they're a good fuck. It's, it's that aggression. I mean, if you look at the difference between the penis and the vagina. There are, as it happens, 1,400 and change synonyms for each of those two words. The penis ones are all what I call boys' toys. They're guns and clubs and knives and daggers and so on and so forth. They're, 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 you, you, you feel the penis is always dressed in camo kit. <laughs> Whereas the vagina is this, this nasty, dark, 
frightening, twisty hole, probably with, with razor blades. Certainly like something that Indiana Jones would go down in, in you know. I mean, it's, 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 it's a frightening place for us boys. We, 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 we want to go there, but we don't. And that, that's the way slang works. Having said that, I think what is happening, and this is the, the, the root of the next book that I want to do, and I'm doing it with a, a, an academic, Sarah Iverson, from, from who, who works at Oslo University, and we want to do a book on slang and women, because that is, to me, the coming thing. I think that the female position, the, the, the sort of, I wouldn't say domination, but there's a very major and growing women's presence in social media, and social media generates a lot of slang. Don't ask me what the specific words are, but the point, because I'm, I'm lousy at that, and as I said, I'm, I'm old, I can't remember anything <laughs> anymore, but, and I have a very good computer. But what, what I'm saying is that, is that it would seem that while, yes, we're going to get more of the same, you know, fucking is always going to be man hits woman, we've got our boys toy, we've got our frightening, our frightening cavern, but I think we're now getting female-generated stuff. That's, I, I even noticed on your truly phenomenal timeline of slang. Seriously, folks, you really should go to the timeline of slang.tumblr.com right now, which will annotate this whole conversation. But even in the in the top line categories, there's a category for women colon age and relationships and, you know, women stereotypes. And there's no categories for stereotypes of men. No, well, to an extent, I, I mean, you know, like everything else, is it cock up? Is it conspiracy? Slang has x hundred words which are defined as unattractive woman or unattractive girl or promiscuous but on the whole it doesn't have the, those same things for men you know because men are proud of themselves they're rude to each other you see, i've got i mean if you look around for instance in the penis timeline you've got impotent men you've got stuff like that You've got men with small penises, men with large penises. You've got, you know, the, the penis has all sorts of exciting dimensions. But I, I totally agree with you. I haven't yet done, well, what's the equivalent of the, the male viewpoint equivalent of the promiscuous woman? The stud. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done the stud yet. I need to do the boaster. I need to do the arrogant shit. I need to do all sorts But of even things. in there, we think better of him, right? You know, it's right there. She's a slut and he's a stud. That's the name of a book by Jessica Valenti. I, and a question, here's a philosophical question. Do you think that language can change culture or does the culture have to change the language? Here's a little bee I have in my bonnet. Donald Trump, as I'm sure you know, recently called Ted Cruz a pussy. And it drives me up a tree when men use pussy as an insult, especially men who purport to like to sleep with women, right? Like, I just feel like it's very revealing. And also, the pussy is quite a remarkable place. I, I think it's the, I mean, I'm not sure, and you can, you can correct me, but I think, I mean, cunt is also used in a derogatory way, not any, any in England very much. Yeah, you stupid cunt. Cunt is used in a, very, in a derogatory way, and I think cunt is considered a stronger swear word, a, mo oh, yes. a more taboo swear word, but I feel like cunt, there's some power to it, right? A, a cunt is someone who has... Who, who has an impact on you in some way, whereas... I'm not... In England, no? I'm not... So, I'm, in the UK, I'm not so sure. No, it's a bit of a throwaway line. The, I mean, I don't think people probably, unless you've got into this business of mine, will probably know this, but when English, and I'm talking about the language, um, changed from Middle English to Early Modern English, which is a 
about 1450, the only one of our well-known swear words that didn't come change you know, from Middle English to, to Modern English, in other words, uh, was done, which was already taboo. I mean, it does have that amazing power. Obviously, some things were not there yet. Motherfucker doesn't turn up till the 1890s. But basically, a lot of these words, particularly the defecatory stuff, the shitting, the pissing, so on and so forth, the farting, all that stuff, which is often mixed in with the sexual stuff when it comes to slang, that just really survived for another couple of hundred years without anybody really caring. But, but the C word, C-U-N-T, or quaint, or all sorts of ways it's spelt, did not. And that was a bad word. And I'm sure that is partially to do with, it's to do with male fear, it's to do with sexism. Un undoubtedly, why choose that one? Why choose that one? Let's say, hypothetically, although this is not in any way a hypothetical, I want to introduce a different kind of slang usage for female reproductive areas, right? So for example, when we say of men like that takes balls, which of course also is silly because balls are actually very fragile. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> really, I think we should say, I think the equivalent of that should be that takes a uterus because a uterus is actually really quite strong as opposed to ovaries, which is just the physical analog, which are also like, I don't know, ovaries are interesting, but they're not particularly powerful. Is there a way to introduce that? Can I use language to influence people or is there really no way as a single individual? Somebody's got to start it off, but if I may say so, what happens is that women, something like that takes balls. I would be able, I think, to show you examples of women using it in a congratulatory manner of other women. Oh, sure. And, men, and, and indeed, and it, so it's not, it's borrowed. See, there was a culture in the 90s in England called ladettes, basically girls acting like boys. And I, not, in, not in a sexual way, but in a social way. So there was lots of binge drinking and so on and so forth. And acting in that rather dull, noisy, loud way that boys like to, you know, late teens, early 20s. But, and one of the things was, oh, look, they're swearing. Oh, look, they're swearing. But the swearing they were doing was using boys' language, right. using boys' slang. That's why, again, I go back to this thing about being interested in women and slang. And it seems one of the, the start, well, there's lots of starting points. Obviously, prostitutes would have had their own slang, so on and so forth. But flappers are interesting because you get the sense that the flappers who had really quite a substantial vocabulary in the late teens of, of, of the 20th century the early and the 1920s. This was basically a woman-generated language, and I really want to get into and, uh, and explore that. I mean, I, I'm bad at talking about this because I haven't yet done the, the, the proper research, but this seems to me that this was a language that girls and young women were creating. It was not being done by the shake, as the boyfriend was called. That's interesting because the flap, the, the sort of 1920s era for a certain subset of women was a moment of increased sort of sexual agency in the culture. It, it then waned again. But it, it seems to me that that suggests that the culture drives language and not vice versa. I mean, one of the reasons why a male usage dominates slang is because it was assumed that women would not wish to use it, women would not want to use it, women would not understand how to use it, and this was something that men wanted to believe. And another of the things I need to research is, was that true or not? 
my suspicion is that it wasn't. But I don't think, and uh, I don't think, unfortunately, if it's hard to research slang in, say, the 17th, 18th century because of the lack of resources, it's going to be even harder to try and work out. Um, what the women's slang was, but there were there were playwrights like Susanna Sentleve who were undoubtedly using slang in their plays, but it is men's slang. I mean, I think there is a difference between moments in which women adopt men's slang and moments in which, like you said in the 20s, women invent and create their own slang. That, I think, is the interesting side of it. I mean, there's a, there's a website called Mumsnet in England. I don't know whether it... I mean, websites are so fluid, but it, it's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, it would be Mumsnet in the States, I guess. But, you know, they, they do use a certain amount of very much women, women and family-focused slang. Now, I'm not sure to what extent that's come out into the wider slang world, but if 50% of the population are using it, it's done so. I'm not saying it, you know, it, it, it's growing, it's fluid, it changes. What would be huge to me is if, is, is if slang words for women, which, as I've said, tend to view them as nags and sex objects and just objects generally, if that changed, that would be a huge seismic earthquaking change. And maybe it will, maybe it will. Whether I will be alive to see it, but that's the way things may well be going. How could we go about influencing that change? I'm not sure that I, as an old white European male, probably could. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But, all right, how do certain slang words get into the language? Yes. Well, I mean, I'm thinking a friend of mine used to write a very successful TV show in the UK called Minder. I don't know whether it crossed the water or not. I don't think so. No, I don't think it did. But he introduced, there was a phrase, back of the net. Back of the net meant that basically is what they talk about when a footballer, English football, soccer, kicks the ball, it scores a goal, and it gets in the back of the netting that is, surrounds the goal. This was meant to mean really good. So, so the one character would say, oh, back of the net, son, back of the net, magic. And gradually this entered the language. He also did VAT, vodka and tonic. And the most famous one was Her Indoors. And that was one of his co-writers. Her Indoors is, of course, the wife. And Her Indoors has existed since the 1920s, but not until Minder, which was 1970s, 80s, did it become a huge phrase in English slang, and it stayed there. And 
what I'm saying in a rather long and circuitous way, is, as I fear is my style, how do we change things? Exposure. It reminds me here in the States, I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld or if it would translate across the pond, but Seinfeld introduced a lot of slang, but Elaine Bennis, who is the main female character on the show, introduced the term sponge-worthy, which I think is actually... Do you, do you understand it back in the... To my, to my shame, it's not in my database. Oh, you should... should Spongeworthy was really big in the 90s. The sponge was a form of contraception. It was this... Yes. 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 And she heard on this episode she heard that the sponge was being discontinued and so she only had x numbers of sponges left and it was her very favorite form of contraception and she had to decide whether to sleep with a man based on whether or not he was sponge worthy and it occurs to me as a very rare piece of slang that actually really did make its way into broader usage at least for a time that was about female sexual agency right she was being the decider Yep. And done through, as you say, done through media exposure, popular culture. I would say, however, I'm not everybody agrees with me on this, but I would say that it's the thematic, it's these stereotyped thematic ways of looking at things that do last. Slang is always trying to reinvent itself, but it's a narrow waterfront. Deep waterfront, very deep, but very narrow. No sharing, caring and compassion. There's no word for love. There is no word in my dictionary, 130,000 slang words and phrases, of which the sim- there is a simple definition, love. It isn't there. That is super interesting. Right, it's only about taboo and negative. Well, it's not only about that, because if you know, men like to big themselves up, it does concrete, it doesn't do abstracts. Right. Some of it can be good, and certainly a lot of it can be very funny, but it is not us at our most kind. But it's us, I think, at our most flesh and blood. It's sort of an intensification of things that the culture already believes. I think a lot of it is is shortcuts and stereotypes, but for for an awful lot and cliches, but for an awful lot of us, and I'd include myself, that's the you know one does go that way because they're convenient. They may not again. I mean, particularly the stereo, the the gender stereotypes, um, are nothing to be proud of. Well, that's what I worry about. Slang reflects the stereotypes, but it also reinforces them. It absolutely reinforces. Right. So it tells that same story back to ourselves. It's very, very difficult. You're absolutely right. That it reinforces them, and, and and I go back again to the feeling that it is a man-made language, and that's why I'm interested in finding the non-man-made language. But slang is very much it's hard for me to look at my examples of slang which i have about 550,000 at the moment and backing up the various words and phrases to turn around and say there is a major female presence here because although i want to find it or perhaps not find it but i want but i certainly find if there's a change in the in in in, in this this current century whatever but the examples I see are not primarily engendered by the female gender. They ain't. And it's no good pretending otherwise. Are there exceptions to that rule that we should maybe repopularize? Are there, are there words that you wish that were in greater usage? I mean, there's nothing that jumps out at me, no. Because slang uh, suffers from itself, suffers from stereotypes. When you start collecting it in the 15th, 16th, the 16th, 17th century, printing is still relatively new relatively few books are printed 
and they're books that reflect the privileged culture. And slang, the language of the working classes, is not the privileged culture, quite the opposite. Now, I believe that there was more slang than we have the slightest knowledge of, but nobody was interested in it because it didn't sell books. And it was not a side of society people wanted to memorialize. So if you go beyond that to the lack of representation of women, we're talking 1500, 1600, then that's so hard to find. But it is not to say that it wasn't there. Right. But it's a lot easier to find now, which is why I think your project is quite interesting. You know, I think about terms like mansplaining and manspreading, which are, I don't know if they've made them across, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But they're quite understood here. You know, not everyone likes it when you use them, but they're certainly well understood words. I totally agree. No, that this is absolutely true. And there was no way, I don't think, that prior to you know this century, that these kind of words that focused on rather bad male habits from a woman's point of view were being coined. Have you encountered fuckboy yet? Yes, I'm not sure to what extent it's crossed the water, but I think it has, yes. I mean, I bet there seem to be different meanings of it. I mean, I, I, I mean, the one that I'd thought it was rather on the lines of not exactly boy toy, but it was, you know, as, as somebody said to me, yeah, it's, it's, it's somebody who's into wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, which he, this man who told me this, is only the other night, much younger than me, he said, well, I don't say wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. What I say is one and done. And I I said, that's brilliant. Well, I really did think, I said, you know, is this a common slang phrase? He said, no, I made it up. And I thought, that's that's nice. Oh, no, one and done I've heard before. I'm sorry for your friend. No, fair enough. So he was boasting. (laughs) Fuckboy, I think, is interesting in that when women use it, it's often said as derision, like basically don't be a fuckboy or like you don't have to put up with fuckboys. But it seems to transcend the purely sexual. And that was what how I'd, I'd understood it. And I was wrong. And this is, again, we come back to earlier in our conversation because, you know, I'm getting on. I don't have any fuckboys. Yet. 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 (laughs) The year is young. (laughs) I think that's a good moment, actually, to put it out to our listeners. What female-generated slang, especially around sex, are you seeing, are you using, do you wish was more popular? Use the hashtag unscrewed on Twitter. We should actually talk about the name of my show, Unscrewed, because that contains the same set of assumptions, right? If you're screwed, that's bad. Yet here it is in my show. But let us know what slang you're using, you love, you think you'd like to see more popular. Use the unscrewed hashtag on Twitter. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have learned an enormous amount. And I've had a wonderful time. Thank you. How can people best follow your work? Well, the dictionary, uh, Green's Dictionary of Slang, as it is egocentrically called, um, is going to go online on the 1st of July, touch wood. It's going to be updated in both versions um, as often as I can. In the short term, obviously, you can look me up on Amazon and there are books there. And there are things like the timelines of slang, which are fun, entertainment. I may improve them, change them. But at the moment, if you want 1,740 words for fucking, that's the only place you'll find them. It's the timelinesofslang.tumblr.com. And if people want to send you slang that they think you you need to know about and include in your work, how do they get in touch with you? My email is jgslang, which you will notice is Jonathan Green slang, jgslang at gmail.com. And I, I will always do my best to respond. Um, I'm also on Twitter as Mr. Slang, lowercase one solid word. 
Fantastic. And now, listeners, as if that wasn't enough, it's time for that treat I promised you at the top of the show. I want you to meet my producer, Katie Tandy, from the establishment. You hear me say her name at the end of the show every week, but I feel like you really should get to know her. She is uh, such a big part of what makes Unscrewed go. Katie, say hi to everybody. Hello, bonjour. Katie, what did you think of the show? Did it make your nerdy language heart sing? Yeah, I loved this notion of the man-made language. That to me was really, really such a poignant observation. It's so true, right? Like cocks and penises are weapons. They're toys. They're delightful and fun. They're... Clattered of vengeance. Yeah. And of course, ours are these like shadowy, mossy bits. They're holes and, and it's terrifying and dark. Although I think it's super revealing about like how men are total scaredy cats. Totally. I really am obsessed with the idea of making that takes a uterus or even like a uterus of steel, like a thing. I said it at a dinner party last night full of feminists and they were all started using it by the end of the night. And I was so happy. So unscrewed listeners, the key to my heart is to make that takes a uterus a thing. I was laughing when you said that too, where it's just like that takes balls. Like, excuse me, last time I checked, balls are like these like limp sacks. So fragile. Yeah, they're just like overexposed. That takes balls. Like what? It takes like super sensitivity. It takes being very vulnerable. I guess we could celebrate that, but that's not usually what's being celebrated when someone says that takes balls. A uterus on the other hand. Power organ. Recently, I was out to breakfast with a writer named July Westhall. She had these fake nails on that were very pointed and black. And she was like, can I just say, these nails make me feel so cunty. And she said, and I was like, oh, I was like, I don't use that. Like, you know, <laughs> and I had that reaction, which I think is so typical. It has this like mythic, heavy aggression to it. Long ago, I've uh, been sent an email from a dear friend and it was on this podcast, The Illusionist, which is really, really fantastic. Oh, I love that show. You know, they have this wonderful conversation. Why does the word cunt have the power it does? And it's sort of when the smoke clears, no one can really say anything other than it just feels like the most aggressive. Like I know. Well, and it's actually, that's why I can't let go of fuck. Because I think that the way fuck is used grammatically is so fucked up, right? Like Totally. But it's so satisfying to say. It's so satisfying to say. I'm like, fuck, I wish I could quit you. Totally. No, and this is something actually that I have sort of carried as my own little freak flag because growing up, you know, like I said, my mother and father were, this sort of bohemian wasps, you know, like really well read, really into the arts, but definitely wanted their daughter, you know, to behave in a certain way. And my desire to use quote unquote rough language, it's been this point of contention since I was a kid. You know, my mother would say, you're more articulate than that. You know, there are ways to convey what you want to say. You love words. Like, why do you reduce yourself to that? And I was like, you know what? I can be articulate as hell and still swear up a goddamn storm. Like, I resent my intelligence or femininity being predicated on my choice of words. You Hallelujah. Know? Like, I once said, that sucks in front of my mother when I was a teenager. And she said, oh, don't use that. Do you know what that word means? Do you know what it means? And I was like, yeah. But, but I didn't think about the idea that sucking a dick, like, is meant to be degrading. 
Right. But I think the only way we get out of it, and that's why I love the conversation at the end with Jonathan, we need our own fucking slang. If there were words that were just as satisfying as the ones that carry all this really fucked up, right? Like coded messages around sexuality and gender. If there were better words that were just as fun to say. I'd be saying them. I could throw out all of this stuff. Do you have any like new slang that you're digging these days? Like fuck boy or man spreading or? You know, it's not that revolutionary, but I really use and love bitch all the time. And I think I mentioned to you that Rosella, this woman, I produce documentaries for with the establishment, I was using power bitch so much as like a point of admiration. God, she's such a power bitch. Like it's so incredible to like watch her go. And she got me an engraved bracelet (gasps) with it. And it is, it's like this amulet for me. And people, I mean, every time I wear it are like, does that say power bitch? And I'm like, yeah, it says power bitch. It runs the gamut between men being like, oh, I just felt my balls tighten up and I want to hide and to women being oh, like, oh, masculinity is so fragile. Awesome, masculinity so fragile. And I do, it's interesting because, right, it's one of these words that I think, obviously, whatever, Andy Zeisler, co-founding bitch way back season in the 90s, you know, sort of took back as it were, but it still feels super fucking loaded. Yes. Is that why you like it though? Certainly. I use slut the same way. And I know there's a lot of controversy over reclaiming slut. And I certainly am on the record and will be on the record over and over again saying it's not for everybody. That's not prescriptive that everyone should reclaim slut. But for me, I I feel it in a similar way, which is like, because it's the third rail, that's what I think gives it the power for me to say like, fuck you, I'm a slut. And I think that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. I'm a bitch. And they're like, well, how do you mean it? And I'm like, how do you think I mean it? Right. I mean, I'm loud. I'm unforgivingly loud. I am opinionated. I was talking to a friend's father this morning about it. He was asking me what I was doing. He was sort of arguing, you know, why do we want to keep using these really painful, really fraught words and saying, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Like when really, are we taking it back? And I was like, I think so. But I think that there's a there's a midpoint between taking it back and leaving it with all that pain and shame, which is what's really happening most of the time, which is we're just problematizing it, right? Like you're making it complicated and you're taking some of the power away from the people who want to wield it as a weapon against you. It doesn't mean you've barred anyone else from using it badly, but it means people have to stop and think. And I think that's good. I like that. I like the fact that it makes people feel uncomfortable and confused, but that's, I'm also a bitch. So, you know, Which is why you're my producer. No, there is a kind of alchemy of saying a word out loud and you can re-imbue it with a new meaning. Right, and the uh, the alternative, which is leaving it as a powerful epithet, I don't think is more satisfying. People have to stop meaning those things. Because if you take the word away, they're just going to assign it to another word. So might as well make the haters feel uncomfortable. Which is, again, why we need our own goddamn language and slang. So I would love to hear from Unscrewed listeners. I know I said this already, but like, what is your favorite lady-made slang, especially connoting stuff around sex and sexuality? Let us know on the Unscrewed hashtag. 
let us know by emailing me or you can record yourself talking about it and I can play that recording in another show if you send it to me. We want to amplify our own slang because that's how we know we got the power. Yeah, Katie, let's keep swearing at each other. <laughs> you're a bitch, bitch. What kind of bitch am I if you're a power bitch? Like a sex bitch. I'm a sex bitch. I want that on a necklace and glitter. This is what I'm saying. It feels so good. Katie, thanks for coming and saying hi to all the listeners and for being, you know, my guardian podcast angel. You bet, bitch. It's such a pleasure to get on here and talk to you guys. Keep on fighting the good fight. Well, that is all the vulgarity we have time for today. You can find me and all my work at JacquelineFriedman.com, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D. M-A-N.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Facebook at Jacqueline F. That's just Jacqueline and F as in Friedman. Please let me know what you think of the show. Send me slang usages. I want to talk about it on Twitter. Um, Send me ideas for future topics, future guests. I love hearing from listeners. You can find this podcast on Acast, on iTunes, on Stitcher, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. The show is produced in collaboration with the fantastic Katie Tandy, who just called me a sex bitch, and who is, of course, the creative director for The Establishment. Our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna, and the in-and-out music you are enjoying right now is by The Pink Tiles. I'm Jacqueline Friedman, and until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.